Well, Pastor Barb has asked me to speak this morning, and I find that to be a great honor. I really do. And uh, I respect Pastor Barb so much as my pastor, and uh, anytime I have the opportunity to come up here and speak with you all, it means just a tremendous amount to me. But I want to talk with you about some things this morning that I think can help you with wherever you're at in your life as it pertains to what Jesus did on Palm Sunday. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we really just kind of take it for face value that Jesus did this, and then Jesus did that, and then this happened, and so on and so forth. But what I've learned to do in my life, and as I study the Word of God, is to really look for why did it happen the way it happened? What is the story behind this process that occurred? And we're going to read from Luke this morning, the 19th chapter. We're really going to break down what occurred and what some of the revelation is behind what occurred on Palm Sunday with Jesus. And so this morning, before we even get into this message, I want you to begin to celebrate Jesus coming into you. And we're going to get into this this morning, but that's really where I want to set the tone. It's great that Jesus did what he did when he did it, but how does that relate to me now? What does that represent for me today? Luke 19, verse 28 says, After telling the story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, first walking ahead of his disciples. And it says, As he came to the towns of that place, praise the Lord, you can pronounce it however you'd like, and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two other disciples ahead of him. First Jesus is leading, and then what does he immediately do? He empowers two others to go before him. You are those others. Yes, Jesus has accomplished many things. Yes, he was the one that went in and made it happen. But guess what? He's also the one that's empowered you. you got to hear that by the Spirit of God because sometimes we have a religious experience with God to say, okay, well, this is what God's done for me without a deeper understanding of why he did that for you. It's that you could lead. You think, well, I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't know if I could lead. You can because of what Christ did. He, he'll lead first. He's a gentleman. I mean, he, he's, he's fantastic at leading. But what's the point of him being the only leader in what we're here to do? Every believer in the body of Christ is a leader. Well, I got a couple. And, and, and listen, it's, you, again, if you're not careful, you'll look at things the way you see them rather than the way God sees them. I could only imagine the two that he picked to say, well, now I want you two to go. Well, no, I mean, Bill over here, he's much better than I am. Or, or Karen over here, you know, she's, she's fantastic. Why don't, why don't you send them two instead? See? But you are that person. Who did Jesus die for? You. I mean, if it was just you, he'd have paid that price. 
So he died for you. So always understand that Jesus and all the incredible work that he did, he did it to empower you to a place of leadership in your life. And what does a leader do? They lead, right? And sometimes if you're the one that says, hey, I want to lead, you may turn around and go, where's everybody at? So there's a difference between leadership and just taking a walk by yourself. <laughs> but in this case, Jesus began the lead, and then he sent two ahead. And, of course, we know in Luke 10, 1, it says, The Lord chose 72 other disciples, this is a different passage of Scripture, and sent them ahead in pairs all to all the towns in places he planned to visit. So it seemed to me that Jesus was always trying to empower others to go before him to prepare for something. What are we on earth to prepare? Ourselves, the church, to be a, a pure bride, right? He's still challenging all of us to say take a leadership position in helping the church prepare itself, and we'll get into what's going to happen at that time, but really finding yourself in that leadership position. In Luke 19, it goes on in verse 30, it says, go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a what? A young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying the colt, just say the Lord needs it. And, and listen here. Sometimes God's going to send you over there. Over where? I, I don't know. But he's going to send you over there. And so on your way there, you may have all kinds of doubts and fears of the unknown and, and all those kinds of things. And so the immediate question was like, whoa, wait, if somebody says something here, I mean, that's not our colt over there. But with God's vision, you gotta, you got to get this in your spirit. If you really want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, which I believe you all do in your own capacity, you don't have to lead like anyone else. You have to lead like you do. Anybody in here never led anything? I think everybody in here has led something. Yeah. So you have the leadership qualities on the inside of you, but sometimes God will speak a word to you, go over there and go do this. And then your first question is, well, what if they say no? I mean, what do I do then? With God's vision for your life, the heavenly provision always comes with it. Always. In this scenario, it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, go over there and steal that donkey over there. I mean, it does. If you're rationalizing this, you're kind of going, well, you just told me to go over there and take something that's not mine and, and walk away with it. But that's how the favor of God works. That's the blessing of God that will always go before you. So you hear the voice of God. You're, 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 you're choosing to be that leader. You hear the voice of God. And you respond to it with the trust in God to know that you're going to be able to do what he's called you to do. Rather than the excuses and the what-ifs, and the oh-my-goodnesses. So they went and they found the colt, it says. Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying the colt, right? Somebody's looking out the window going, somebody out there 
is about to steal this colt. The owners, there's, the term owner is enough right there. <laughs> Isn't it? It's enough. Like, wait a second. It says the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? The disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And where is he about to go? To Jerusalem. Why does he need to go to Jerusalem? To enter the temple. We're going to break this stuff down for you because everything he's doing here, he's trying to do in you. He wants to do those things with you. He wants to enter you. And it's interesting how they immediately, these people that were there, who took the donkey, they immediately put their garments on the donkey. What does a garment represent when Adam and Eve fell? Shame. They had to be covered with a garment of their own. And isn't it interesting that they chose to put their garments on that colt? And that isn't it interesting that Jesus rode in on their shame? Okay? You, you got to you just, just stick with me here because this is the Christian experience that I'm talking about this morning. Many, many of you come from many different backgrounds, and many of you have never heard a message like this. Maybe it was more about the story and what happened and all of those kinds of things. But listen, if what happened doesn't apply to me, then what is the purpose of it? And in my experience, I've had to lay my own garments on that colt and say, man, I... I don't know how, how I could do this without laying those things down. It says in verse 30, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road in which he was going. He was following the path of the shame of the world on a colt that had never been ridden before. Why would it need to be a colt that had never been ridden before? Wouldn't you think that Jesus would have ridden in on a king's horse, one that was trained, one, I mean, that says, look out, I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The reason that he needed to have a colt was because he needed to come in as a person just like me, just like you, a common, everyday person, and ride in and following the path of shame over his people. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to sing. And they walked along praising God for the wonderful miracles 
that they had seen before. And so they're rejoicing, thinking, oh, this is what Jesus did for me before. But what he's doing is something completely different. It's interesting to me in the, in the story of Jesus how it was all about miracles, signs, and wonders. And then at the moment that it's time for him to do what God's called him to do, to accomplish what he it was there to accomplish, it went from miracles, signs, and wonders into a dispensation with Christ. And when we talk about and when we sing about revival, we're singing about a new dispensation that we're expecting God to do in this earth. But sometimes we get caught up in the way things used to be and we're not quite witnessing what's exactly happening right now. He's riding in. He's going to separate himself from everything that the world standard says is important, and he's going to be able to ride in and go, my people will recognize me not based on the horse that I'm riding. They're going to recognize me based on who I am about to become because Jesus started as a Jesus person who became Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. He's about to demonstrate Beyond any healing, beyond any miracle that he had done before, he's about to demonstrate what would be absolutely impossible, but authentic to everything that he represented and everything that he stood for. He himself had to hear from God because after he comes to Jerusalem, we know the story. He was driven to the garden, man. He was under stress. And he's just going, oh, my goodness, this is about to happen. Is this really something I I should be doing right now? And, of course, what he said was, nevertheless, not my will be done, but let God's will be done in my life. And from that moment on, he just, he was turned over, and and we'll cover all that next week on, on, on Easter Sunday. But you have to understand, this story of Palm, Palm Sunday is an incredible story of how to walk in your life and to really receive Jesus Christ in the way that he wants you to receive him. Verse 38, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest in heaven. But some of those religious people in the crowd said, Teacher, hey, you on the colt, that guy, you, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Doesn't that sound familiar in our day and age right now? I am so thankful I go to a church that, that is not afraid of the power and the influence of the gospel. And, not, and is willing to tell you the truth, even though it may hurt, even though it may be, you know, oh my goodness, you know what, I can't believe, oh my God. In spite of all of that, I would never, I'm just telling you, I could never go to a different church. I couldn't go to a regular church and sit down and listen to some message about what Jesus did and not fully understand how to apply that to my life. That's a waste of time. Pastors across this country are getting fired for changing the bulletin. True? You ever been there? We need to empower our pastors. We really do. To speak the truth. 
Our mission here is to love you back to life. And you say, well, I don't need to be loved back to life. Listen, this guy needs to be loved back to life. We all need greater life. Jesus said, I came that you might have and have it how? More abundant than what? Than what it was five minutes ago, praise the Lord. We're all in need of that love of God in our lives. So there's always going to be those, even in the body of Christ, that may look at you and go, well, who in the world do you think you are? It's okay. It's okay. Long as you know that you're in the will of God, you're submitted to godly authority as you're doing that, then you have a right to do those things. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come with correction. doesn't mean, like, they were correcting him. Well, what did he already have to do before he got there? He had to know the word of God and the will of God before he got there. He had to solidify that in himself before he even took this trip. In verse 41, it says, But he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, and he began to weep. He's like, this is not the plan. This is not the what should have happened. And all these people are trying to work through their relationship with God, and they have no ability to do that in the way that they're doing it. And he just began to weep. But I think even in the church today, not this one, thank God, there's so much pressure on people to do the right things. And if you don't do these things this way, you're never going to reach God. Wow. I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand the gospel if that's true. Jesus came with the most exceptional, radical message the world had ever heard. He came in truth, yes, get your life right. Do your best. Hey, these are morals that you can live by. But he said that he came in truth and grace. The most radical message the world had ever. Whoa, wait a second here, brother. I don't know about that. You got to live up to the law. You, you got to do these things. And if you don't, you're going to find nothing but judgment in your life. And I still think that a lot of people, maybe people in this room, you're just thinking, well, I've got to do better and better and better and better and better. And then somehow then I can become the two. Somehow then I can be a leader in the kingdom of God. Nothing is further from the truth. Let the truth set you free. Let God begin to speak to you and begin to do what God's called you to do. But before you do it, the people that he sent ahead of him, those two, they were disciples. What does that mean? Well, that meant that they were equipped for the work of the ministry before he sent them. Some people get so, they've got so much zeal, but they don't have the understanding, and then that can cause problems. Hmm. It says in verse 42, how I wish today that all, uh, all people would understand the way to peace. This was said 2,000 years ago. And we continue to live in a world void in many times of peace. If you're a believer, 
you come to peace. Yeah, but I've got this going on and that. I believe that's the other part that Jesus saw as he was riding to the city. People in divorce, people with problems, people with kids that weren't serving God. I mean, just a complete disaster going on in the city. And yet he was willing to enter that city and say, no, I'm here to redeem it all. But some people are just waiting for the Messiah to do it all for them, too. <laughs> Listen, faith without corresponding action is cursed. It's dead. It has no fruit. Walk in what Jesus preached. Truth and grace. Truth and grace. Don't allow your sinful nature to drive you away from God. I mean, that should be something to say, no, I get it. I have a sinful nature. It should draw you closer to God. That's... What Jesus is all about, and I've just seen so many people who've left the body of Christ because of what they did, or what they didn't do, and some failure in their life, and all of these kinds of things. I'm just telling you, the reason I go into all that is Jesus came to a city where all that was going on, and he was there to make a difference. It says, but now it's too late, and the peace is hidden. From your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every single side. You ever been there? It's because you don't understand the way to peace. It's not ways to peace. There's a way to peace. And I mean in great days, horrible days, and every day in between. You have been given a measure of faith to receive peace in your situation. It says they will crush you into the ground, your children with you. You ever been there? Yeah. Like, wow, when does this thing come to an end? And this is all the while when Jesus is calling you to be the leader he's calling you to become. See, nothing's changed with Jesus. He's, he's still the same. He wept on his way. He thought of all the things and the problems and the circumstances and the religious problems that were there and all kinds of other things. But that did not stop him. It did not deter him from entering that city. It says, your, your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it. Hear this. You did not recognize it when God visited you. When God visited you. It's time for us to recognize the power and the influence that Christ carries in spite of what's going on in our temples. It's time to recognize that peace is available to us. And this isn't peace as the world can give you. This is the peace that passes all understanding. But the Bible says that we have to guard our hearts, we have to guard our minds against the influence of evil 
in our world that would cause anxiety, depression, fear, insomnia. You can possess a sound mind. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Scripture goes on, and Jesus gets to the temple. It said, Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals as sacrifice. Some people get on the bandwagon of, well, we shouldn't sell books, and we should. That's a bunch of nonsense. We should sell books. We should, we should empower Christians with materials. We, we absolutely should. But what we should not do is sell things that can replace what Christ has already done, or in this case, what he's about to do, okay? I mean, we get so doggone religious, and you got somebody who's just trying to help you, and how dare you sell something here? (laughs) This is not what he was talking about here. I mean, my goodness, we should sell Bibles at the church. We say, I mean, see what I mean? We give them away, and we're generous, and we're always going to do that. And, you know, we've got, uh, you know, rooted program. We've got discipleship. We're going to give you materials, and sometimes we're going to say, well, hey, sometimes you got to buy them because they're a little bit more expensive than what our current budget can handle. It's okay. It's a book. It's a book. And it's certainly not being sold to take away or negate what Christ has already done. Verse 46, he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. After that, he taught daily in the temple. But the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and other leaders, don't be an other leader. Don't do that. Lead with Christ. Don't be the other guys. It says the leaders of the people began planning how they could kill Jesus. But they could think of nothing because all the people hung on every word that Jesus said. Well, who is Jesus? He is the Word of God. It's okay if Jesus comes in and disrupts, because you're that temple. He disrupts things that he knows about you and things he knows for you and, and, and it wants to empower you with. And he wants to come in and he wants to destroy things that are not him. And I'm telling you, sometimes, like I was talking about earlier, oh, I sinned and oh, I don't, I'm not qualified to go to church anymore. That's something he wants to destroy. Because you're thinking by leaving, then in some way that's helping, but it's actually the opposite of what Jesus came and died for you for. And it's the opposite of what a church like this that wants to love you back to life is here to do. We have no opportunity to minister to that need. 
The key to understand is, is that we all have a sinful nature. There's a scripture in the Bible, a man one time that was coming to our church, and I loved this man, I still love him. He came and he said, hey, uh, Pastor Paul, uh, this happened and I'm really upset. Something happened in the church. And I mean, as, as God is my witness, I was overtaken with one of the greatest revelations I've gotten. And I just spoke the truth and love to that guy, and I says, you know what? Sin shall not have dominion over you. He said, well, wait a second here. I'm not the one that did that. I said, I'm not talking about that. Sin, sins of others, sins of yourself, shall not have rule in your life. Again, Jesus knew the city he was walking into. He wept. He was so upset about it. He went in and, and, and tore all this stuff down. He did all that stuff. We can't allow our sinful nature to rule in our lives. If that's the case, then what's the cause for Christ? I tell you, he wants to come in and he doesn't want to destroy anything. He wants to restore it. You know, I, I like watching these antique roadshow kinds of things. You know, people go out and find stuff and it's like this old junky thing. And I'm going, why would you ever buy that? That thing is hideous. Like, just throw it away. And boy, they'll, you, you put that in the master's hands and what they can do to restore that thing, and you're, you'd see it at the end, you're like, oh, my goodness, wow. I never thought that that could be that way. And some of us feel the same way. Some of us are the temple that says, no, it's got to be done this way. And that's the temple he walked into. No, it's got, I'm right and everybody else is wrong, and this is how it has to be done. And the whole time, peace is available to you. The whole time. Revelation 19, I want to read this because it's powerful. It shows you where things uh, in this story I just read you come into the way things are going to become in, in the future as a result. It says, then I saw heaven opened. Hallelujah. I saw a white horse. I didn't see a colt this time. Standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. They Remember the scripture I said that they did not recognize? You're going to recognize. You're going to recognize in that day. It says, for he judges fairly and wages righteous war. Jesus is fighting for your righteousness. In spite of your sins, in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of all the other things that aren't going right. He's fighting from a place of peace and righteousness. His eyes were like flames of fire. His head were many crowns. He's the victor and the ruler of kings of kings. I mean, he, he ain't coming back wondering if everything's going to be okay. He's re-entering back into his place, his habitation again. And I'll tell you, what he's looking for are those who want to participate with him, who've been participating with him, who said I'll be the leader, who said I'll recognize Jesus when he comes into my life, who says I'll do the things that God told me to do, even though I don't know how to do them. He's coming back for that. Name was written on him that no one understood except himself. 
I believe that name is Yahweh. I believe we're going to see, I mean, it's going to be unspeakable. You won't be able to speak. I know we use Yahweh as a term, but it has no vowels and it has no pronunciation. He wore a robe dipped in blood. And this was not the blood of animals. It was the blood of Jesus. And its title was the Word of God. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the creator of everything. The armies of heaven dressed in its finest white, pure linen followed him on white horses. They were following righteousness and doing it in a righteous and pure way. From his mouth came a sharp sword, which is the word of God, to strike down the nations. Again, he's not talking about the believer here. We're here to build the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release fierce wrath, the fierce wrath of God. Remember how Jesus demonstrated his wrath in the temple? Drove them out. The Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press, on his robe. Hallelujah. Whose robe? His. Not the robe or the garment of shame, but the robe of righteousness. So many correlations between his entry into Jerusalem and his re-entry into this world. One has occurred, the other is yet to occur, but there's one occurring right now. He wants in. He wants in. He wants to rule in your heart now. He's the one with the fiery eyes now. He's the one that, I mean, is riding on a horse now. He's the one that has already overcome, and he did it for you. And that he's not out there looking for another way to come into the temple right now. He's looking at you. He's looking at this world and all of these people. And he sees the hurt. He sees the pain. But at the same time, he is a God who is coming with peace. A God who is coming with right standing. Because he knows you couldn't do it on your own. It's no longer you who lives. It's the Christ that lives within you, that does the works. So many people are trying to figure out how do I do what God wants me to do. I don't have that kind of power. You have the greatest force ever to be known that has chosen to come into your Jerusalem, into your temple. And yeah, he wants to turn some things over. And he wants to get rid of some things that are hurting you and hurting others. And if you give them the chance to do it, I promise you, just as it happened in the temple here on this earth, it'll happen in you. A couple more scriptures and I am done. 
1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself any longer, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Hallelujah. I'm going to read this other scripture. John 14, 27 to 31. It says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy. You would be happy. That I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I do not, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world is approaching. He has no power at all because you now carry Christ. But I will do what the Father requires of me. So that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's get going. Let's get going. Scripture everybody in this room has heard a thousand times. You've seen it at every football game. John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son. That everyone, everyone, who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Closing scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ, the anointed and the anointed one. I know this is a different message than you've probably heard before on Palm Sunday. But it's the message of the gospel. Every person in this room is called to be the leader that God wants you to be. And there's no need for you to have anxiety or worry or fear the hardest way to live your life is a life without God's purpose in your life. Because all it is is a bunch of work. All it is is a bunch of time. But if you will capture what I read today and how Christ wants to enter your life, He wants to make you a brand new creation in Him, I'll tell you, every person in this room because of what Jesus has done. And we're going to cover that next week. I'm excited to talk about his death and his burial and his resurrection. But before you can ever experience the power of Christ, you got to let him in. You got to let him have his perfect work in your life. Let's all bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you that there are so many wonderful revelations in the Word of God. 
Thank you that every person in this room has been empowered with Christ to do great things. I thank you that they'll recognize it. They'll take it to heart. They'll do the things that God has for them to do. We honor you today on Palm Sunday, leading into this Easter celebration. We just thank you for making us the temple. Thank you for entering the earthly temple. Thank you for entering us as your temple. And we thank you that you'll re-enter again. want to make sure everybody in this room knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's the greatest thing you can ever do is to open your heart and let him in. If that's you, I just want you to say this prayer and say it with all your heart. And it's, it really is the simple. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to enter me. Have your way in me. Let me know your purposes for my life. I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you for my righteousness. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, guys. Amen. Let's all welcome Pastor Barb. How many enjoyed the messes this morning? Such a beautiful reminder or just recognizing Jesus. Amen. Um, I know that even the animals enjoyed it. Did you hear them? Amen. <laughs> Amen, Pastor Paul. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just so glad you're here today. There's just such a beautiful spirit in the house of the Lord, isn't there? So Pastor Paul was talking about selling things, and we are selling something today. So I'm starting a new series called The Church Awakening. So these teachers are available today. And um, God really put on my heart coming out after Easter that we need to know why we go to church. And what does a biblical church look like, amen? And what does a biblical church not look like? And so I'm going to be talking about the forgotten virtues in the house of the Lord. So I'm very excited about this because God is preparing this church for something very special, amen? We know the harvest is so ripe. In many churches, God's going to open the floodgates for the lost to come in because people need hope and healing in this hour. And we are a church that will love you back to life to fulfill God's purposes. And that's what it's all about. So if you're a first-time guest today, I know we already welcome you, but there's a guest card in the chair in front of you. You can fill that out as I'm talking. You can put it in the offering bucket or take it out to guest services. We do have a fun gift for you. So I recommend taking it out there after service. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And I'm going to... Amen. It's a continuation of our worship. You know, there's no better opportunity than on Palm Sunday to do what they did when they lauded Jesus coming into Jerusalem. They laid down everything when they recognized Jesus. And that's what happens when the Lord gets a hold of our heart. Amen. Lord, whatever you need, here it is. If you need something to take care of your house, we're going to take care of your house. If you need to reach the hurt and, and, and hurting in the world, we're going to do that. Amen. It takes resources to reach people for Jesus Christ. And this church is committed to do that. Not only in North Phoenix, but around the world. And that happens with your continued generosity to the house of the Lord. We could not do it without you. Amen. 
and I'm so thankful for you. So let's go ahead and get ready to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. Father, I thank you today for this time that we have celebrated you, Jesus, and now this time to continue our worship to give to you, Father God. Whatever amount or whatever it is, God, it's not just about the money, but it's about capturing our heart. And I thank you for the generosity in this house to give to build the kingdom of God, to give to give life away, not to store up treasures to ourselves, Father God, but to reach a hurting and broken world. We promise to do that, God. We are committed to do that according to your will, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Let's receive this morning's tithes and offerings.
our declaration. So if we can get our declaration up there. Ready, let's declare this together. I declare I will live victoriously. I was created in the image of God. I have the DNA of a winner. I am wearing a crown of favor. Royal blood flows through my veins. I am the head and never the tail, above and never beneath. I will live with purpose, passion, and praise, knowing that I was destined to live in victory. This is my declaration. Hallelujah. Have a wonderful time. Take some pictures. Enjoy the petting zoo. Eat